had a, had a buddy playing golf uh, not too long ago, and he was having kind of a rough day, and here's what he said to me. He said, I know I can golf better than I do. I just never have. His feelings about his golf game, I think, can, um, can relate to so many areas of our life. I know I could do better. I just never really have. Could be said about our marriages. Could be said about our obedience to our parents. It could be said about our daily habits. It could be said about our quest for success. Where we know where we've landed and we think we could do better, but we really just never have. Probably the same could be said about your spiritual walk. I don't know who you are or where you are spiritually today, but I'm willing to bet the ranch that it probably could be said that you could do a little bit better than you ever have. It seems like we have potential in all of us to do better. To do better at home, to do better at work, to be better in our hobbies. We just have a tendency to settle for anything less than better. The Bible tells us that there is a difference between our connect and our disconnect. And the book of Ephesians, probably a book that was written years and years and years ago in the first century, that still can be part of our 21st century walk. It has to do with things like marriage and parenting. It discusses dealing with conflict. It discusses anger management. It also discusses doing uh, um, your job with integrity. And it has to do with our potential, not just in the world, but in the church. So last week, since we finished up our I am statements by looking at the verse that Jesus declares he was the vine and we are the branches, what I would like to do today is to kind of define what it means to be a branch connected to the vine. So if you have your Bibles with you, Ephesians chapter 5, I want to read 14 verses. Some of these verses you're going to like, feel okay with, some of them not so much. The reason I can tell you that is because I've already read them, and some of them I feel real good about, and some of them not so much. So if you have your Bibles with you, verse 1 says, be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity Foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person such as a man or an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, 
For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention that the disobedient, what they do in secret. But everything exposed by light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. Now there's a whole lot of stuff going on in those 14 verses. Some theological, some commands from God himself. So it begins to paint a picture of what this branch ought to look like. And if we are the branches, we ought to know what we ought to look like. That seems to be the nature of the beast here. I don't know about you, but that very first verse bothers me. We are called by God to imitate who? Imitate Mike? Imitate your mom, your dad, your boyfriend, your girlfriend? Your... We are called by God to imitate him. Sometimes that seems to be a little bit much for me. I know I could be holier. I just haven't done it yet. I wonder if any of you here today could say with me that you need to be a little bit more holy. Anybody here feel like they're too holy, too righteous, too justified in the eyes of God? I am here to say today that most all of us, I think we could say that we need to be a little holier than we are, but we just haven't quite done it yet. There seems to be the potential there Or Paul would not have said, hey, try to imitate God. I mean, do your best on Tuesdays and Wednesdays to imitate God. The rest of the week you're on your own. Doesn't say that, does he? He just says imitate God. Doesn't say there's any druthers, so i got to ask the question, how close do you think you are in your life to to imitate God? When you start thinking about it that way, it begins to push me to a place where I just don't like to go. So here are three things that we need to consider from this piece of scripture. And there's at least one you're not going to like. Let me save that to last, okay? So let me just tell you, until we can understand how to imitate God, we need to know who we are in Christ. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus died on the cross for our sins And because of his death, burial, and resurrection, the Bible says that we are becoming the person that God would have us be. And the word for becoming is a process, has nothing to do with who you are, because if you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, you know who you are. The Bible calls you a child of the light. So it has to be all about what you do and how you do it, and when you do it, and where you do it. Because once Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine, once we connected to him through baptism, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that we become a new creation. The Bible says the old passes away, our old lifestyle, our old actions, the way we talk, the places we, all that passes away because now we have new priorities new goals, new emphasis that come from Jesus. Galatians 2 says, Paul says there, I have been crucified with Christ. It's not me who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. 
Paul was once Saul. He was a persecutor of the church. Once he met the Lord on a very dusty road, he became this guy named Paul and he began to become an active participant in the kingdom of God. Verse 8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So Paul does not say, you need to try to be light. You're a little bit light and a little bit dark, so you need to work on the whole light thing. That's not what he says, is it? He says, you were once darkness, you lived in sin, but now you are light in the Lord. You've already been connected to the light. You are a new creation. You don't have to strive to become a new creation. You are a new creation. You don't have to work about becoming the light. You are already the light. We are called by God to reflect the light. We have that potential in us. I think American Idol and The Voice, they're complete now, aren't they? Everybody has won and everybody has put it to bed. But you know, if you watch any of those shows, there's usually some characters that get up on the stage and you watch that and you think, how in the world did they ever get this far? I mean, someone needs to tell them, you can't sing, you need to go home. You are not good. I don't care what grandma says. You stinketh. That's King James. You're not good. Give it up. There's always some like that. And I guess they do that for their ratings because it makes me laugh. It makes me shake my head and think, what were they thinking? And then there's always some who come up on stage and you think, that person's good. I mean, they got it. They're going to go somewhere, do something, be somebody. They have some real talent. It might be raw right now, but they're going to make something out of themselves. They have real, what? Potential. And that potential will take them a long way. When it comes to being holy, we are told that we need to imitate God in all that we can do. And we can't do this unless we understand that we were once children of the dark, but because of the cross and because of grace and forgiveness and because of repentance, we can live a life that's not affected by sin. You were darkness, but now you are light. You are a new creation in Jesus. The old has passed away, and because of that, imitate, imitate God. The second thing that I think we need to understand once we remember who we are is where potential can take us. What do we have to be potentially connected to? Paul uses three words here in the text to describe this process, where this potential will lead us. He says in verse 9, for the fruit of light, for the, the, the outcome or for uh, the byproduct of light, it is found in all that is good, all that is right, all that is true. So if you have potential to live for Jesus, understanding that potential will lead to good things, righteous things, true things. The word good in the Greek means generosity or uh, profitability, it, it means that a person who is led by the potential of God will do good things for people, good deeds. They will be kind, 
Consider it. They will do things that bring honor and glory to God. That's where potential in Jesus will lead. The word right can be translated as righteousness, and we all know that righteousness means right living. So it will help us live right, make proper choices, do the right things, do things that pleases God. It can also be translated as justice, that which we give and show to other people, that which we know to be pleasing to God. The word true, one theologian says it does not merely refer to the facts, but it also refers to the values of God, that which we know to be true. It's kind of preventative medicine, if you will, for the darkness. This week I went by Schnooks on First Avenue. That's where we get our prescriptions filled. And as I was talking to the person in the window, as they gave me the medicine, they said, oh, yeah, Jerry, we need to tell you your doctor wants to see you. Like, seriously? Who does that? Who communicates to the pharmacist? Well, evidently my doctor does. He says, just give him a call. So on my way back here, I'm punching in his number and say, hey, I hear that my doc needs to see me. They said, yeah, it's been like six months since you've been here. He just wants to check up on stuff. Well, put him on the phone, you know, we'll check up on stuff. So I got an appointment early the next morning, first thing right out of the blocks, and I drive up there and we talk a while. We are, we're just old friends, and we talked about everything uh, from golf to uh, politics. And then he said, you know what, Jerry, have you ever had a shingles shot? I said, no, I have shingles on my roof, but that's as far as I've gone. And he says, well, you really need to get one. You and Debbie, you need to get one because shingles, not a thing to play with. And then he told me about a person who came in, a, a patient, and he said it was just horrendous. You need to get a shingles shot. Anybody here ever had a shingles shot? My arm still hurts. I mean, it's been four days. Yeah. Still, they didn't tell me that. And then, you know what Debbie and I did on Thursday night after we got off work? We went to G.D. Ritzy's date night. And then over to Schnooks to get shingle shots. Preventative medicine. That's how you date when you get old. You eat a burger, then you go get a shingle shot. You guys are laughing, but your days are coming. I'm a saying. Preventative medicine. The truth is, anybody here ever have shingles? They say you don't want to mess with it, right? Because it can kind of make you angry. Well, I'm hoping they say that you have a good chance now that you won't do battle with shingles. They didn't tell me this, but I guess there's a second shot I got to take in about three to six months. Shingles shot number two. She said, I'll call you. And I whispered, I'll change my number. <laughs> preventative medicine, preventative truth. It, it, it helps us stay in the light, out of the darkness. That's what God calls his people to do. We have the potential to do that. We have the potential to get there. We just need to be connected to our potential. I told you last weekend I was in Sellersburg, New Albany. We had two little guys celebrating birthdays. One was three, the other one was six or seven or eight, somewhere in there. And after we drove home Saturday night, before we left, Maddie Grace, who is our little granddaughter, we just have one. 
She said, Poppy, my birthday's next weekend. When will you be here? So as soon as church is over today, we're heading for Sellersburg. We're going to have some more cake, some more ice cream, because she's expected Mimi and Poppy to make an appearance. It's all about trying to do the right thing. Just an hour and a half. I think I can make it a little bit quicker than that if I... Debbie falls asleep. I know I can get there a little sooner than that. But it's all about the righteous thing, the right thing. All I have to do tomorrow is mow grass. Debbie told me that my grass would be there Tuesday. I said, is that the day you're mowing? (laughs) She said, no, but you can. So we're heading that way. It's the good thing to do. It's the kind thing to do. They always haven't been this close, so off we go. Here's what William Barclay says about these three words. Good, right, true. He says, the light which Christ brings makes us useful citizens of this world. It makes us men and women who never fail in duty, human or divine. It makes us strong to do that which we know is true, good, and right. This brings us to another deal here. Here's the one I don't think you're going to like. Because he tells us how to walk in light. How to be this branch that we have learned about. He says in verse For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Our challenge in this piece is to walk in light. So how do you do that? How do you put that into practice? For the conclusion of this message, what I would like to have you do today is to consider three rather thans. This is going to be the challenge. Because if it comes to a decision that you are about to make, if you ask yourself, rather than doing this, maybe I ought to do this, chances are you're going to be able to imitate God. Are you with me? I mean, here's kind of the key. So the first rather than, this is not going to come up on the screen, I will say them very slowly a couple times. So those of you who are writing things down, you can get it all done right. The first rather than, Rather than living to indulge your own desires, rather than living to, des- to indulge your own desires, focus on living to please God. Are you with me? Rather than living to indulge your own desires, focus on living to please God. And here's where it gets sensitive. Here's what you're not going to like. But it's Bible. Verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. Here's the way it says it in the NIV. Among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of greed or impurity because they are improper with God's people. In the first century, Ephesus was like a lot of our culture today. 
there was a lot of uncontrolled sexual behavior. It involved all sorts of people in all shapes and sizes. When we were in Israel a few months ago, there's a place called the Gates of Hell. It's right where the Jordan River starts. And there's a lot of good things that happened in the Jordan River in the Bible. It, it was like uh, the, the, the symbol of life. It was called the Gates of Hell. And Jesus took his boys there. And there was a lot of unbelievable perverted sexual activity taking place. And Jesus, in his statement, points his finger and he says, even the gates of hell will not prevail against what? My church. So we have to understand, no matter what, there are some difficulties when it comes to our understanding of what is right and what is wrong. But as children of the light, we are commanded in verse 10 to discern or to find out or to discover what God's will is. And he says there should be no sexual immorality. Not even a hint. Now I wish, I wish he would have said, okay, 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 okay. I know you're only human. If there's a little bit of sexual immorality, okay. I mean, not a hint. So you mean I shouldn't even watch that? No, I probably shouldn't. You mean I probably shouldn't even go? No, you probably shouldn't. He says not even a hint of sexual immorality, impurity, greed should be connected to you because you are children of light. Luke 22, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was wrestling with this whole cross idea, Finally, he says to Father, to the God of all creation, not my will, but what? But yours. Okay, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to go to the cross. Doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Doesn't seem like a whole lot of fun to me. But I'm there because you want me to go. And I know that if I do this, it will save people from their sins. The challenge today is this, rather than living to please myself, I will pledge to please God. That's the first rather than. The second rather than, rather than making conversation about matters that are out of place, rather than making conversations about matters that are out of place, focus on making each conversation about the goodness of God. If you have your Bibles... Verse 4 says, nor should there be any obscenity. Some of your translations may say filthiness or foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place. <laughs> Wish you hadn't said that, don't you? You shouldn't talk that way. You shouldn't say those words. You know, when I was growing up, you know what they were called at my house? Soap words. Because if you said those words, my mama would wash your mouth out with soap. I'm here to tell you, ivory soap doesn't just float. It doesn't taste well. How do I know? I just know. Don't let any obscenity or foolish, filthy talk come out of your mouth. That stinks, but that's 
evidently it, it was so apparent in the early church that Paul felt like he needed to write about it to the people in Ephesus? Do you think that same thing is true in the church of the 21st century? Folks, it ain't French. Have you ever heard someone say, please excuse my French? That ain't French, buddy. And we are told it shouldn't even come out of our mouth. And you know, we all know that guy or that gal who can twist anything that you say and to make it into some kind of sexual window. I mean, we, we know that person, don't we? We know that guy or that gal that can put together a string of words that we shouldn't say or hear even. We know that guy or gal that has a whole lot of no good to say about people. What Paul is saying is, don't be that guy or gal. Don't talk that way. Don't say those things. Because there's no place for it. I've told you this before, but let me just share it one more time. I think it paints the picture. Debbie and I were at Wendy's on First Avenue. This has been a long time ago. And we had ordered our singles or our doubles or whatever we had. Just sat down and there was a man and a woman leaving. And they had a little girl about this tall and about this wide. They got to those doors and there's two doors to go out into the parking lot. Kind of a first door, then a second door. And little girl turns around and says, goodbye all you sons of... And she said it. I spit hamburger across the table. Debbie kind of dodged and weaved and it missed her. And then she laughed and her mom and dad laughed and kind of patted her on the head. If I would have done that, my dad would have killed me on the spot. My mom, she would have yanked my throat out probably. And they thought it was the thing to do. You think our world's a little bit askew? A little twisted? Instead, he says in verse 4, Let there be thanksgiving. Talk about the goodness of God, things that are uplifting, things that will build each other up. I have two friends recently I've talked to, and this is not new. I cannot tell you how many times I have shared with many of you, do not let what people say or do shape you. Because people will say and do some pretty mean things, won't they? People will do some hurtful things. Don't let them shape you. In fact, we are commanded by God not to even talk to It's a good joke. It'll make you laugh. It says don't even, don't even tell it. But keep your mind on things that are good. One more rather than. Rather than being influenced by the world around you, rather than being influenced on the world around you, focus on sharing the light with others. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, expose them. And usually when we think of expose, we, we, we tend to think about pointing our fingers at something or somebody. The Bible says don't do that, just be a person of the light. Verse 12, he says it's even shameful to speak of things that the pagans do in secret. But he says when 
when light is used, it exposes and things become visible. Anything that becomes visible will be exposed by the light. So rather than participating in darkness around you, focus on bringing the light of God into the situation, into your marriage, into your home, into your parenting, into your walk with God. And when you speak, don't speak about darkness, but speak about the light. We have the potential to be imitators of God. There are many who might say, I know I could live that way. I just haven't done it yet. And there's probably people here today who feel like they could give that a shot, but they just haven't tried to do it yet. I guess we need to adopt a rather than strategy, rather than living for myself, I need to live for God. Rather than talking about a place or a person or a sickness, situation that I'm not aware of, I need to learn to talk about the goodness of God. Rather than being shaped by the world around me, I need to bring the light of God into every situation. Every time you make a rather than choice, you have a better chance to imitate God. We're all imitating somebody, you know? I wonder who you're imitating. Your mom, your dad, your boss? Are you imitating a neighbor, or you're imitating somebody besides God? You see, it's important who we imitate because it can make the difference in eternity. The Bible says that we have the potential to walk as children of the light. We just fail to do that. What if, what if your children are not a part of heaven because of your example? What if your grandchildren are not a part of heaven someday because of your example? What if your spouse is not a part of heaven someday because of your example? I mean, that's what he's really getting to today. You're either part of the light or you're not. About 10 years ago, I think it was around 10, I think Andy's been at Northside Christian in New Albany for a little over 10 years. He went right out of college, did an internship there. They hired him right out of his internship. He's their small group discipleship guy. He called me about 10 years ago and he said, hey, I got this great idea. Here's how we're going to promote small groups for this fall. Me and some of the other leaders are going to jump out of an airplane. I said, boy, have you been smoking something? You know, who jumps out of airplanes? Nobody. And I said, well, if you're going to do that, at least wear your Superman shirt. And you know, we will watch it all the way down. And I saw the video. It was a great video. And they used it to kind of connect people to their small group thing. And then he said, I want to get you a ticket so we can do it together at Christmas. I said, no, you're not. If you get me the ticket, you'll waste your money. I'll send your mama, but I'm not doing it. Not going to happen. There's a group in Texas. It's part of the Army National Guard there. They're called riggers. And it is their job to pack the parachutes for the jumpers. 
their code is, their creed, always be sure. They say it takes about 20 minutes to pack each parachute. There's 30 different folds that you have to make perfectly to go into the pack. And if you don't do it right, it could cost someone their life. So there's creed, reads as follows. I will never let the idea that a piece of work is good enough. It might make me a potential murderer through a careless mistake of oversight. For I know there can be no compromise with perfection. You see, riggers know that packing parachutes a matter of life or death. And I'm here to tell you today that your attitude towards the kingdom is a matter of life or death. Sometimes the Bible is pretty hard. He doesn't pull any punches here. He just tells us how to live. Every Sunday we do communion here and it gives us the chance to respond to what we hear. And maybe your prayer today during this time of communion might mean, Father God, help me to be a child of the light. Help me to stay out of the darkness and help me to bring other people into the light. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your kindness, for your love.